This morning's reading is from Hebrews 9, 11 to 14 in the NASB. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? One, two, all right. Bless God. Thank you, Margaret. Welcome. Well, you've already been welcome, but anyway, nice to see you all. <laughs> Even there's probably only about half of us. Just one cold morning. <laughs> Praise God. We are doing a series, Foundations for Strong Faith, and uh, if you haven't got one of these booklets, they're available uh, down the back, and uh, Margaret will grab someone and hold, hold some up in a minute. There here she comes. Yeah. And uh, I'm so cute. <laughs> so I think we've got some people over here that may not have it. Um, kind of book up. Oh, we've got them. They're free of charge. Everything else will cost you an arm and a leg, but uh, we're we're having a year of ever increasing faith. Amen. And uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that he was rejoiced that they. He noticed that they had, oh, I've got my cap on. Linda doesn't let me get up with my cap. She's not here, I could probably get away with it. It's a cool Yeah. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that he rejoiced that they had an ever-increasing faith and they abounded in love. Well, we're a church that abounds in love and uh, we have an increasing faith. That tells us that uh, the portion of faith that we have at the moment can grow. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that where I am uh, now is not where I'll be at the end of the message, yeah. or where I'll be in a week or a month or a year, praise God. Yeah. I'm glad that there's things that we face now, uh, things that might be trials now, that as we learn to stand in faith, they won't, the same obstacles won't be trials in the weeks and months to come. Amen. That's something to look forward to. Yeah. Amen. Because yeah. we have a, an increasing faith. So we talked about what is faith how it works, and then I felt uh, in my spirit the Lord say, now we need to give people reasons to have strong faith. So hence that this little booklet, Reasons for Strong Faith. We spent a lot of time on covenant. Today we're sort of going to slide into the next chapter. <laughs> which is called I Am Righteous. I'm Made Righteous. And uh, we're going to look at for a few weeks addressing an issue which is probably, I think, the number one issue that confronts all Christians. Uh, the conflict between having a righteousness consciousness or having a sin consciousness. So in this passage that we, um, in this passage that we, uh, that Margaret just read, and um, have you got that printout, Margaret? Or we can turn to it, I guess. 
Where was it? Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews 9. Uh, yep. Hebrews is a good cup of coffee. Hebrews 9. And uh, you'll notice that verse 11 to 14, that it's talking a lot about covenant. We've been talking about covenant. And then it um, refers to, uh, in verse 14, uh, the purpose or one of the purposes of having covenant explained so clearly and in such detail uh, throughout the scriptures and uh, in uh, in the New Testament, you've got the book of Galatians, the book of Romans, the book of Hebrews, which are essentially about covenant. It says this, for by a single offering, this is verse 14, no, no. Do you want to print out, Pastor? That's right, it was nine, wrong chapter. Verse 14. So, verse 13. If by the blood of goats and bulls, the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of, hef- hefa, of a heifer, sanctified and purified the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal Spirit, offer himself without blemish to God? How much more will understanding, now I'm just making this up now, this is the, this is the Peterson version, not the message, the message was written by Peterson, but how much more will coming to understand, to have a comprehension of, to have absorbed into our consciousness the fact that Christ through the eternal spirit offered his blood without blemish on our behalf, How much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God? Apparently, uh, one of the big issues that all believers face is not that that we know that that Christ died for our sins or that he rose from the dead, and not even that we we know that we're forgiven, but a sense of guilt or a sense of sin or a sense of condemnation in, in, our, in our conscience. Now, this is where you all just look straight ahead because you understand this applies to the person next to you, doesn't apply to you. <laughs> um, and apparently that's a problem because um, Paul raises it, James raises it, John raises it, John says that um, that if your conscience convicts you, understand this, God is greater than your conscience. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say that other than if, if sometimes or often our sense, our inner sense we have of our, our, our worth or our value or our righteousness doesn't line up with God's view of us. Because he says, even if your conscience condemns you, understand this, God is greater than your conscience. And so it says here in Hebrews that understanding what Christ did on our behalf deals with a guilty or sinful conscience. There's a few elements to having strong faith, and that's what we're sermon series on. One is, is knowing that God is able, all right? 
Is God able to deal with my situation? Is God able to, to move in my kids and yeah. in my work and in my health and, and in my emotional world? Is he able? That's, that's one element of faith. Another element is, is God willing? Is God willing to move? Like the leper that went to Jesus said, if you're willing. Apparently the leper knew Jesus was able, but he says, if you're willing. And we can answer, I think we all believe God's able. Yeah. I think some of us probably need to be convinced of God's willingness in certain areas. You know, where maybe there's some burdens which Jesus took on the cross, but maybe we think he wants to put them back on us. I don't know. And, you know, that's what the promises of God are. But the third thing is, what right do I have to require it of God? Mm. Who am I to ask of God? Because, you know, we, we've all got this little, uh, uh, you know, you hear these things. I don't know why that that Christian died from this or suffered this. They're such, they've been such a good, they're such a good Christian. Have you ever heard that? They're such a good Christian. You know, why do bad things happen to good Christians? But what if it had nothing to do with their goodness? But still that, that sense we have in us that this sense of sin consciousness, and yet the Bible says understanding the covenant understanding righteousness will cleanse our conscience from dead works. I think that's a wonderful scripture. I think I, I think I'd, if I understood that, if that was deeply embedded in my heart and my mind, I'm sure when I go to pray, I'd, I'd have a lot more Confidence. Yes. In fact, John said, a sense of guilt robs you of confidence in the epistles. But if I had that, my conscience was cleansed from a sense of guilt and shame and good works, I reckon I could pretty well strut into the presence of God. <laughs> I could just pull my shoulders back, chin in, look up. And you're strutting humbly, of course. <laughs> strut. <laughs> strut and ask. But you know, God says, come boldly. So apparently, it's evident that God's view of how we should strut into his presence is different to our view. If we've got this ongoing sense of lack of worth, of shame, of guilt, or maybe it just hasn't been enough days before the last time we swore, swore or robbed a bank, you know, those things. And <laughs> 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 we just don't have no right. And I, I really believe, and we'll dwell on this, we'll stay this for a few weeks because it's going to give us victory more than anything. Yes, that's right. It's going to give us victory more than yeah. And the writer of Hebrews says, how much more will the blood of Jesus cleanse our conscience <coughs> dead works? Works that 
hurt others, hurt ourselves, diminished us, lusts of the flesh, just dead works. How much more? How much more? How much more? That's like an over and above statement. <laughs> it won't just cleanse your conscience, it'll more than cleanse your conscience from dead works. It also tells us, because he's writing to Christians, that there's a lot of Christians out here, there, who struggle with a conscience that is not clean from dead works. Yeah. And so it's an obstacle to faith. It's an obstacle to faith. I, I've told you before, and um, I can tell this story because is the door shut? Mark, can you just make sure that door shut? <laughs> <laughs> not that I've got a conscience. <laughs> but uh, Linda does not like being woken up too early. Uh, it's like if she's having a sleep in, she, she's having a sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to know. And even if I'm right, righteous in entering my bedroom to get something, there's just still going to be this sense of guilt to wake her up. You, you, can anyone identify with that? You know? And I think it's probably a sense of fear. <laughs> and rejection. I mean, she looks sweet, but I tell you what. Sense of fear, but I, I found out. I worked out a strategy, I think I've told you some of this, I worked out a strategy um, for getting safely, you know, it's a little bit like the red back spider, you know, like the male gets eaten when he walks into the room. <laughs> I worked out a strategy, it's called grandchildren. <laughs> I found that if I'm carrying with me any grandchild, <laughs> that I can walk into our bedroom Bold. <laughs> without a sense of sin consciousness, without a sense of what I'm doing is wrong, I can boldly walk into our room and boldly throw the child on the bed. As long as she sees the child, the moment she wakes up, I'm safe. It's nice having that freedom from guilt. Go into your own bedroom. You know, but it destroys our relationship with God. And I'm talking about a sense of consciousness, a sense of sin, or dead works, not the reality of it, the sense of it. Because it's not an actual, real hindrance to us going before God. It's a perceived hindrance. I can remember uh, the first lecture we had um, in Bible College with uh, one of our lectures was Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, and his was, I was going to say notorious, but well known for walking in what is genuinely a prophetic ministry. That, for example, that he knew quite a few ministers who were going to die if they didn't yeah. start walking in love and he warned them and two years later their, their ministry ended in car crash or whatever and, and 
uh, Gordon Lindsay, who started the Formations for Christ Bible College in Dallas, he'd write down yeah. when Brother Hagen had that word. And yeah. He had people in his church and he'd see them in the back seat of the car with someone else's wife doing all things <laughs> they shouldn't do. You know, so you've got to understand that uh, our first, um, our first, you know, you're amazed the words that pastors get, Chris. <laughs> So my first lecture I had with him, and uh, we get allocated seats, it was about 900 students in first year, back then 9,000, 1,200, something like that, it was an awful lot. But we got, we got front row seats, you understand? And you were allocated seats. So you were given a row and a number. And it's like, if uh, Brother Hagen was here, I was like there. And we looked at our seats and I was so excited, we got these front row seats, you know, it's so exciting. And then, I started to wonder, what if he's been reading my mail? <laughs> what if there's this, you know, what if God's told him something? You know, what if, you know. So that night, the night before, I repented. I mean, I don't mean this sort of thought, I'm sorry. I mean serious repentance. Serious. Now, Lord, I remember that time, this time, that and I just made up a few sins just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and I got up in the morning and I went over it all over again just so I could go into the presence of Brother Hagen, not God. <laughs> I mean, he was, at that time, I didn't think he was the fourth person in the Trinity, but I've since found out that that's false doctrine. Nevertheless, I repented of everything. Driving, driving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that the brother Jesus cleanses me from that. I'm sure you feel a little bit that way in front of me now. Is that right? Thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me. And I sat down with a, with a reasonably clear conscience. It does tell me that the scripture says the blood of Jesus, understanding the blood of Jesus, cleanses our conscience from death. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to give us a, a revelation, illumination. Yes. It's going to free our faith to claim things we've never dreamed we could claim. To have a boldness in prayer we never thought we could have. To walk in love with others. Because who knows that generally when you get mad at someone else, you really get mad at yourself. No one knows that? <laughs> Your own sense of guilt and shame. So the Bible says it's able to cleanse the dead works. Well, what, what, what are dead works? The works are things we do. Actions, words, how we live our life, how we walk, their works. But there's dead works. That means there's things we do that kill, that harm, that hurt. And not only that, they're not able to give us what we're looking for in those things. And so the husband that has an adulterous affair, that's a dead work. He's looking for love, but he's not going to find it there. 
the lady who gossips about so and so, you know, gossip is listed like above adultery. Yeah. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. <laughs> it destroys and speaks evil of people and believes the ones. But it's dead. It's not just that it's a sin, it's that it's not going to get you what you're looking for. Because life doesn't come from it. And I, I believe that one of the first things to free us from or cleanse our conscience is to understand that those things could never supply what we're looking for in them. But anything we do anyway could never make us righteous. Isaiah said, although the Holy Spirit for Isaiah, he says the righteousness of man is like filthy rags. Just turn uh, Galatians or I think the introduction is going to take the whole sermon, but that's all right. We're not in any rush, are we? No. We'll come back next week. Galatians 3, verse 20. We've got to unpack this a little bit. Um, talking about the law and talking about righteousness. If you've got your Bibles, just turn there because I'm going to have to unpack this a little bit. It's a little bit um, convoluted, the way it's written, I guess. It's talking about the law and um, why the law was given. And you understand the Bible says the law was given, it says in Galatians, so the law, okay, the Ten Commandments and all the list of things, they're righteous, they're right. There's nothing wrong with them. But why were they given? The Bible says they were given to frustrate our self-righteousness. So although um, they're right, they're actually given so we could know and see how unrighteous our self-righteousness is. And then it says, to point us to Christ. Not to leave us in that destitute state, but to point us to Jesus. So in Galatians uh, 3, verse 21, it says, For if the law had been contrary, is the law contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. And then he's got this sort of reverse legalism, legal talk. If a law had been given that could get give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Well, I'm just going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to say it again. For if a law had been given that could bring life, then righteousness would have come by that law. I'm going to say it backwards in a little, in a, little, in a, in a minute, and hopefully, I believe it will bring some clarity. But understand this: the purpose of righteousness is to find life. Jesus said, "This is life that they would know the Father and the Son." And he said, the purpose of salvation is not for you to be good. 
The purpose of being made righteous is not for you to be a superior moral being. That's not the purpose of it. I'm just going to say this to so you all know. There is no excuse for sin, you understand. And grace never permits sin. But having said that, knowing grace and knowing righteousness, we act and believe and do what we believe ourselves to be. So it frees us. But here it says this. Look, if a law had been given, if a law could bring life, so something, Ten Commandments, if that could give us life, the knowledge of God, health, happiness, anything we could do, then righteousness would have come by the law. Apparently, having a right standing with God brings us life. And that was all God really wanted, was for us to have life, to know him. It says, if that was the case, then righteousness would have indeed come by the law. Well, remember uh, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that conscience will, uh, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from a conscience or awareness of dead works. Righteousness would have indeed come by the law. That tells me that we could never have attained it. It's a false premise to think that somehow our righteousness, our works, earns us favour with God. It's a wrong place to start. Because if that was the case, then righteousness would have come by being good. Righteousness would have come by overtaking that sin or, or, or not doing what yeah, you know you shouldn't do or, or those thoughts if you could get rid of all those we would be righteous but it could never be uh, you know when soon after we were saved we, I learned to um, share the gospel with people and there's some really good illustrations that you, know, you can use and the Bible says in Romans for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God for all have sinned but this is saying that you could never even do it. So the first step in having a conscience is cleansed of dead works is to realize those dead works never make you righteous or unrighteous. Stay in the buggy. If you're flipping a little bit, stay in the boat. So I know Saroa was very interested in the Birds Like Hub last night. He kept texting me, going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we had you nervous for a while, didn't we, Saroa? Yeah. Anyone watch it? Good, that was wise. <laughs> so if I said to you, Saroa, Saroa, I know how we can get to the next Birds Like Hub in Auckland. You want to come with me? He does? All right, uh, put your swimmers on. Because <laughs> you know that this water here ends up at Auckland. And so I said, okay, Sorrel, just get the swimmers and just head down there and see Sorrel, just toddle up with his, you know, board shorts and, 
ankle deep, knee deep, and start swimming. And you know, if you swim hard enough, fast enough, you'll get to all places. Now you've only got to next week to do it, because that's when the next couple, no, that's no more. Um, should Saroa, uh, feel, yeah, should Saroa be aware that he really could never get to all places? <laughs> should he be aware? Yes. Come on. Yes. Right. As, uh, should Saroa feel condemned that he should not, that he can't swim to all places? No. no. Isn't that what this scripture is saying? That our natural human state, unrighteous, without God, that no good thing comes from that. No righteous thing comes from that. And anything we do good, as in we act in faith, it's only by His grace. It's only what He's given us. It's only the strength He's given us. So, Saroa, brother, be free from guilt and condemnation about not being able to swim to the next place like up. <laughs> <laughs> For if, right, if life had come through the law, then righteousness would come through the law. So, if righteousness doesn't come by the law, if we can't be made righteous by what we do or you know if we go through a few days without any obvious sin or sin that anyone else sees anyway <laughs> then we'd be more righteous if it can't come by that well how how does righteousness come how how is it that we can have this sense of freedom from our conscience accusing us. You know, if your child, um, <laughs> I remember when um, we first moved to the States and Luke, most of you know Luke, played front row forward for Queensland, school boys, scored a try against New South Wales. Oh, well, I was impressed by that. <laughs> when he first went, he was just learned to walk, and we were staying at a we we're staying at a um, we we're staying at a uh, a lake on a lake in uh, Minnesota. And um, he he started to go down the steps, and he tripped and he fell. You know, no one got mad at him. <laughs> no one got mad at him. He didn't get mad at him. You picked him up. We said, "Good on you, champ. Keep walking. You'll get there." Understanding the blood of Jesus, when we trip and fall, we'll have that response. Yes. It's okay. God understands. You're righteous. You will learn to walk in righteousness. You will learn to walk to the lake down the stairs. We'll learn. 
The Bible says there's two types of righteousness. But flip in your Bible to um, Romans 10, I believe. Romans 10. It talks about the children of... Um, it's referring to the children of... Israel coming through the desert. Romans 10 verse 1. It says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they would be saved. I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but it's not in accordance with of knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let's unpack that a little bit. I bear witness for them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Most religions have a genuine zeal for God. There's a lot of um, Christian denominations where they have a zeal for God. I mean, they'll go to church, some, some denominations, they'll go to church every morning. And when they do something wrong, they'll tell the pastor about it. And then they'll go and do things to make up for that. Say things a certain number of times. Some religions, um, you crawl on your hands and knees through rocky roads and gravels and hundreds of kilometers up. There's a zeal for God, but it's not in accordance with knowledge. It doesn't know what the righteousness that comes from God is. And so instead, it replaces it with righteousness that comes by what we do. So it tells me that if, if um, we still have this sense of shame and guilt... I'm not talking about you living in sin. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about something that's just perpetual and that you know and you don't care about and you just thumb in your face in God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that may really burden you and they bother you, but you know it's not right. And you come before God and you don't feel clean. You feel dirty, and somehow your prayers are hindered. Well, that's because one, we don't know that in our flesh we never could be, but we also don't know what we are that we are righteous. We are made righteousness. So it's a righteousness that comes from God, or there's a righteousness that comes from man. The righteousness, the sense of righteousness that comes from man gives us scales about how good we're going to feel about ourselves. Anyone got one of those scales? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, 
I've only committed the two out of a possible 50 sins. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself today. Yeah, that's man's righteousness. It won't cure you. It won't bring life. It won't break the habit. It won't do that. It has no power. It's powerless with regards to salvation. The righteousness that comes from God, which we'll talk more about later, we're running out of time today. <laughs> this is the introduction part. Chloe's worried. She says, I know she could preach on righteousness. She's worried that I'm not going to leave her anything to say. <laughs> There's always something <laughs> The righteousness that comes from God tells us who we are by the blood of Jesus. Pats us on the back. I know you've fallen. I've been there. Is yeah. it Jesus? Nobody says in Hebrews, I've been there. I've been there. I understand. But on the inside of you, you're made right. You are righteous. Stand up. That's got to annoy the devil, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> don't you think you're going to annoy it? I want to annoy him. But you just... But you just... You're talking to the wrong guy. That's the flesh. That's being saved. Me, I'm made righteous. The sense of who we are and the power of Jesus' blood to make us stand up spit in the devil's face ha 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 four things we're going to talk more about in the future about uh, the righteousness that comes from God they are first one is we're going to talk more about we'll have to do it next week first of all it's legal It holds up in the universe of the court. And you know Satan's a legalist. If he can find small print on him, this is legal. The Bible says that he was just to declare us just. Same word, righteousness. He was right to declare us righteous. It's legal. It's total. You can't be any more righteous than you are now. You can look like it a bit more. <laughs> you can walk like it more, but you can't be any more righteous than you are now. You can grow in faith. You can grow in love. You can grow in physique. You can grow in emotion, but you cannot grow in righteousness. You can't do it. Because you can't get more righteous than God. And we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's remitted. It's removed. Satan can't bring it back up. That's the old man. And then if there's something yesterday, well, the Lord's mercy is in you every morning. <laughs> we've got him either way. Hallelujah. It, it, it's total. It's free. It's free. It didn't cost nothing. It cost a lot. Don't say grace. No one in Serenity says grace is cheap. Grace is expensive. It cost him everything, but for us, it's a free gift. The moment we think we can earn it or deserve it, we've lost it. And number four, 
it gives us access to God. It gives us unlimited, unhindered, unfettered, pure, clean access to all the things God has for us. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is able to cleanse our conscience from dead works. And I believe, I believe right, even right now, I know that we're being set free. Some of us have been set free. Set free to pray, set free to receive, set free to walk in what God has for us. Greatest reason, probably, the greatest thing that we can grow in to grow in faith is to grow in our sense of righteousness. 